Ah, yes. Welcome to another episode of the Dingo Unchained. Here in the Dingo Den, I am the Fantasy Dingo. And joining me tonight on the line, we've got two very special guests. Uh, over on the East Coast in New York, we have our regular correspondent, the two, two-time two or double-holding double champion, fantasy football champion, including from the Thrillers Gone League, Adam Risman. Welcome. Good to be here. Good to be here. Thanks for the introduction. And then uh, live, a very special guest today from the Mississippi Delta. Uh, he's the commissioner of the Thrillers Gone League. I consider him to be uh, a doyen, a guru of mine. He's the man that made fantasy football real in the dingo's life. The U Bengals, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me. It was a glowing uh, introduction also. And I only recognize one of those championships from, uh, from Adam there, so... Well, <laughs> that's... I'm shocked that Ubank is not having to call in on a landline. I didn't know they had wireless services down there in the Delta. Well, this is I'm the still, kind... on, still on dial-up, actually. So um, it took me about three or four minutes to log on. This is the kind of great uh, banter that we're looking to see today. So we're going to set this one up. We've got 69 burning questions that between the three of us we've set up uh, that we're going to hit early on in this fantasy football season. We're going to help people with their drafts. Uh, and we're going to get deep down and dirty to see what you guys are thinking. But I'm just going to try and burn through as many as I can in the next half hour or so. And I'd love to get your take on these on these different issues. I think a lot of them are set up to be controversial. And I think we're going to get some different points of view. And uh, you Bengals, we're going to start out with you. Because this is a question that, that you sent our way a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I've, I've tweaked it a little bit. The original question was... What is more valuable this year, quarterback or wide receiver? But I'd like to know from you guys, what is the most valuable position this year in fantasy football? All right, well, I'll take a shot at that. Um, Dingo, as you know, I've been crunching the numbers on the uh, values of these positions, uh, trying to understand what the drop-off rate is from the top echelon down to the 20th rank, down to the 40th rank, and see how that goes. And what I've found is obviously the quarterback and the running back are, are the most valuable, but what I've noticed is by eight, nine, ten points sometimes from the first overall quarterback of last year to the fifth overall quarterback of last year, there's a, there's a nine-point-per-game uh, drop-off there. So I, I would say QB at that point. Adam, any, any comments on that? Do you agree quarterback's the most important position this year? You know, I, I'm going to say no for a couple reasons. First of all, the number one at quarterback last year, Peyton Manning, um, and on your standard scoring ESPN league broke 400 points last year. That's an outlier. That was a statistical anomaly of a season. Um, the last four years, he's been in and out of the top four. Drew Brees has been there every year. And you got to look at Brees' numbers at number two to see what your typical number one quarterback is going to be. Um, if you take a quarterback at early as your number one position – you're going to have that 10-point swing that Eubank talked about, but you're also going to have a drop-off in where you lose stud-label running backs at that point. And I think running back has to be number one because the solid production you'll get from those five or six top running backs throughout the year is going to be the most reliable rock that you have. You can trade around, pick up quarterbacks, etc. Okay. Well, just still on the topic of quarterbacks, I've got a, a follow-up there for you guys. If you, Andrew, you're valuing them higher, obviously. In your in your uh, experience, your thoughts for this year, what pick does the first QB go in a 12-team draft? When's the first uh, QB going to fall, and who is that going to be? Well, while running my mock drafts, I've, uh, I've noticed that it's it's very um, unpredictable, really. Sometimes you'll have a guy who come in and, and pick Paige Manning one overall, and maybe Drew Brees will go two. And Idiots. then another, another draft, there's two or three rounds going by before uh, the top three quarterbacks come off the board. Um, in our league, the drill has gone specifically. It depends on where I am in the first round. That's what I'm going to take Peyton Manning right off the bat. And then my second round pick is going to be Drew Brees. And then y'all will be coming, coming to me wanting to trade for one of my this guys. This was something like I was Adam thinking. Is I'll, have, I'll have three or four running backs on my roster by then, so maybe we could come up with something. Here's a strategy I'd like to run past you guys. How about you do this? You got the 12 pick, 12 pick in a 12 team draft, and you take Peyton Manning with the 12th and Drew Brees with the 13th. Is that a strong strategy? Adam. You're not picking again at that point until the last pick of the fourth round. So 
you're, you've lost your leverage because you need to cash in one of those quarterbacks for all of your skill positions. Andrew? I think one of those guys is a quarterback. Smart move. Andrew? Yeah, obviously it might not work out for you if you do draft two upper guys like that because um, you are sacrificing all those picks in between. It'll be the last pick of the third round, Adam's correction there. Um, but I think uh, I drafted two quarterbacks in the first four rounds last year, and it worked out for me. Um, I also had two dud running backs, and I still got, got away with it somehow. So I feel like even if you have um, a good draft, Things happen where you have to you have to play the game. You got to play week to week, so it's it's hard to predict from the draft. Okay. Let the board speak to you. The uh, one of the big topics in the news recently has been uh, has been Ray Rice, and we're not going to go into Ray himself right now. You may you can if you if you want, but I've got a broader question here on aging running backs. Uh, which aging running back is the safest pick, and which aging running back is the riskiest pick, Adam? Where, where's your cutoff for aging right now? Oh, I would say like 28, 29 and over, late 20s, early 30s. So, you know, all the way up to uh, Frank Gore sort of age. I think that, um, well, you took my risky pick right there. I think Frank Gore has, has hit the cliff at this point. That's a guy that's been getting high-level carries since he was at Miami. Um, and they've got a whole stable behind him of young guys. Marcus Lattimore's knee might be ready. Uh, Michael James is there. Uh, you've got Kendall Hunter there. They're ready to go running back by committee, plus Kaepernick taking some of those yards. I think that your safest bet, if the holdout gets cleared, is Marshawn Lynch, because he's got a lot of unproven guys He's getting him. cleared. I think it came through today. He's clear. He's clear? Yeah. Then, and that's your guy right there. Andrew. I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify Marshawn Lynch as an aging uh, running back. He, uh, he, ha- he sat some years out, and he, he, there's not a lot of tre- tread taken off those tires yet. If, I, if you're going to ask me, 300 plus carries, I think uh, five or six years. I don't know, but I think that he he has he has enough left in the tank that, that I don't think he's. I, I'm going to consider him a, an aging quarterback, a running back there. If I, if you're going to ask me what the safest and what the riskiest is, I'm going to go with the Jackson brothers. Actually, now talking about aging quarterback uh, running backs, I'm sorry. Um, Steven Jackson is probably your riskiest, just because he has looked slow, old. Can't find the hole anymore down there in Atlanta. And I'm going to go with Fred Jackson in Buffalo as my safest pick. Love Fred. Um, uh, as, a, uh, as, a, uh, as an aging uh, running back. He just got signed to an extension, um, which means Buffalo believes in him. He's, a 30, what is, he's almost 32, right? No, how old is he? 31, 32. 32? Yeah. They're giving him a, a three-year three extension, so you know – there, he's passed in their eyeball test down up there. Thirty-three, so, um, thirty-three, boy, ninety-one. And they they need somebody who's not going to get hurt because Spiller's Spiller's on a card half the time. What what do you think about the guys behind Jackson in Atlanta, Jaquiz and uh, Florida State guy Devonta? You know, I've I've heard a lot about Devonta Freeman. I'm going to have to watch those preseason games, and I hate taking rookies, and you guys know that. I, I'm never going to take a rookie skill position before round thirteen. So, um, if Steven Jackson falls to me in, like, the sixth round, I'd take him. But before that, I, I really don't like any of those Atlanta uh, running backs because I think they're going to try to come back with the, with the passing game a, in a big way just because of the demoralizing year last year with that. Two healthy receivers this year. Roddy White fully healthy, Julio Jones back. That's right. Speaking of health and, and injury, I've got three names here which I'd like to get your take on out of these three uh, receivers who are all injury prone, and two of two of whom, well, three of whom got injured last year. Which one would you be most willing to take a risk on out of these three guys? Randall Cobb, Wes Welker, Jeremy Macklin, Adam. Well, I'm gonna start from the top. Welker is he gets hit one more time, he's done. I don't even know if he knows how many fingers I'm holding up to you guys on this uh, chat cam right now. The guy is a walking concussion. He's done. He's cooked. Between Cobb and Macklin, it's a bit of a toss-up. I think you go with – they're both coming off knee injuries, a similar injury. Macklin has proved that he can come back from this type of injury before. At the same time, he's had it twice, so is it more likely? I think you go with Macklin because he's just going to see more production and more targets than Cobb will. Rodgers likes to split it up, throw the ball around, and Boykin did really well in Cobb's place last year, whereas – Macklin's ready to step up into Jackson's old role. So I think you got to go with his production. Take Jeremy Macklin. Non-biased opinion. Andrew. 
I actually would um, I'd flip that around. I think Macklin's probably the least safe bet in that situation just because of how Nick Foles um, is developing. He His favorite target last year, it seemed like, was either a check down or it was Riley Cooper. Um, so Macklin, I think you're going with your Missouri ties there. I don't know. There's some uh, Homer, yeah, Homer instinct. Homer. With Foles during Foles' rookie year. Okay. Uh, sure. Come back to me. I actually like uh, I actually like um, Wes Welker the best out of those three because if you think what? about it, I do. Everybody's one hit away from being out of this league, and the risk for that is, is the same for every 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 wide receiver out there. Um, so what I think is going on there is I like I like the quarterback in Denver better than I like the quarterback at the other other two places. So I'm gonna go Welker as my safest bet. Are you handcuffing him with another another Denver wide receiver? I take all six of those Denver wide receivers. They're all going to get at least eight touchdowns this year. I, uh, as someone who's had Welker in the last two years, I can happily say that his consistent production is very, very nice to have as a security blanket each week. So I Until think he's not producing anymore because he can't see. That's true. That's true. But there, as as Andrew says, as the U Bengal says, there's always a risk. Uh, on on the on the matter of people uh, guys who and their value, I've got a question here for running backs. Which trade of these five running backs impacts a player's value the most? I'm going to list off some names here. See if you can remember them. Uh, no, Sean Moreno, Ben Tatata, Chris Johnson, Darren Sproles, or Rashad Jennings. Which one of those guys? Which one of their moves in the off season impacts their fantasy value the most? Andrew. You got to go with Rashad, Je- Rashad Jennings there. Um, he is moving into a feature back role in New York. He's a bigger guy. He's going to get those goal line touches. So if you're thinking about touchdowns, you're thinking about uh, point production, you got to go with that guy. Adam? Adam Rizzo? No, we lost him. We lost him. That's fine. <laughs> we keep going. We keep going with the bingo. That's all fine. Uh, Andrew, another question for you there. Uh, just while we've lost Adam, we'll, we'll move into some more serious stuff now. Is drafting the Bears' big three a good strategy or a great strategy? Your thoughts? The big three. Um, I I like Cutler. I don't like Forte. I think Forte might get hurt this year. Um, he's been a fragile back in the past, and I think that those trends continue with those kind of guys. Yeah. You'll see guys you'll see guys like Fred Jackson and Marshawn Lynch play forever and never get hurt. You'll see guys like uh, Ryan Matthews and, and Matt Forte get hurt every three weeks, break a bone. Uh, they're just the bones aren't dense enough. So I think if uh, if you wanted to draft some bears, I, I would I would tell you to draft the tight end, Mar- Mar- uh, Martellus Bennett. Bennett. Yeah, Martellus Bennett, um, Jay Cutler, and uh, Marshall. And, and maybe if you do have to draft Matt Forte, handcuff him with the backup. What are your feelings on tight ends? What are your feelings on the, uh, the second-year tight ends out of, uh, out of your own Cincinnati Bengals this year, Tyler Eifert and, uh, and Gresham? We had very disappointed by them last year, I believe. I took one of them in, my, uh, in, in the Thrillers Gone League. I think it was Gresham. Very disappointing. Can they produce at a fantasy level, or is this is that not an offense that's going to produce for tight ends? Well, I think uh, they're going to be a good offense, as a, uh, not in the fantasy sense. They play two tight end sets, so they're splitting uh, touches for those guys. Um, not a good team to look at for fantasy numbers. If you're going to go with a tight end, you're, you're going to look at guys who are feature tight ends, like uh, you know Jimmy Graham, Gronk, Dennis Pitta, Kyle Rudolph, and Greg Olson. Those are better options just because they don't have to share any time. Um, the way the Bengals' offense is set up, they're, they're running two guys at the seam every time, and it's a 50-50 shot, so you're, you're splitting it in half. So, Okay. What about, uh, what about over in, uh, in Cleveland, your close rivals over there? They've made a lot of moves in the offseason. Uh, an interesting draft. Haven't drafted any wide receivers and lost their number one wide receiver. Any Jordan Cameron had, was an elite tight end for them for the first half of last season, sort of backed off a little bit towards the second half. Do you think he can be in a league tight end this year? Yeah, definitely. I think he's a weapon. I think he's one of those guys who is a featured tight end. So um, 
Jordan Cameron is high on my board. I can tell you that much. Um, but I think his production will remain consistent. I think the reason it's slipped um, is because he, had, he hadn't played a full season um, quite yet. Oh, look, he's back. He's but back. Um, So I think Jordan Cameron, Cameron will have a, a better year this year. There he is. The answer is Rashad Jennings. <laughs> We've been going on without you. That's but, fine. But uh, that's right off all the nonsense you heard in my absence. It was, that'll <laughs> be a, a, Mets, a Mets shirt right now on a football talk. That'll be a lovely surprise for you when you look at this podcast later on. Perhaps you download it from the iTunes store and search for Fantasy Dingo. Maybe you've gone to fantasydingo.com to look for this for this podcast. But either way, got an article coming out. This there will be an article by the U Bengals published tomorrow. Uh, top ten draft busts of 2013. Learn from his mistakes. Maybe there's something there to be read between the tea leaves. Certainly not talking much about Daryl Richardson this year, that's for sure. That's uh, right. Here's a question for you guys. Who Can the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs with Jamal Charles now officially back there, can they replicate the offensive success of the previous year? Secondary question, is Alex Smith worth picking up as a QB2? Adam. Two-pronged question here. Um, I think that they can replicate most of the success they had last year. They're looking to incorporate Niall Davis more into the running back equation. He's been getting a lot of reps at the first team in camp, even after the holdout was signed uh, for Charles. There's a problem at wide receiver there. Dwayne Bowe slowed down a lot last year, and I, I don't see him taking a turn for the better. But their West Coast offense is a lot of dink and dunk. A lot of passes to the running backs, a lot of short slant routes. So, in that regard, I think the offense stays about the same. They're not they're not doing anything groundbreaking. So everyone knew what system they were going to run last year anyway. Alex Smith, I think, is is definitely a QB two. Uh, you know, in an ideal situation, you're only starting him for one week, and that week happens to be against the Raiders. They play them twice. There you go, Andrew. Any thoughts? Uh, I think you pretty much covered it. I, I'm not drafting Alex Smith. I think he's going to be available in, on the waiver wire in most leagues, definitely 10-team 10, 10 leagues and, and probably in 12-team leagues. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't draft him, but he's definitely a good choice for a buy filler when he's playing the Raiders. Okay. Question here on running backs. Arian Foster, you Bengals, in your piece, and I don't want to scoop it too much, but in your piece today <laughs> you, you did highlight the disappointment that was Arian Foster last year. An injury, an injury-prone disappointment at that. But has he slipped to the third round? Has he slipped to the second? Has he moved his way up to the second round? Certainly, in mocks I've been seeing recently, he's been moving his way back up, even into the late of the first round, as people begin to gain a little more uh, interest and, and trust in him. Where is where does he rate with you? Is he still at an RB one? Uh, and and how much how much faith do you have in your in your your thoughts and feelings about Foster right now? Well, Foster is a do-not-draft to me. He was so disappointing last year. I mean, you, you pick him so high, and he comes out and he, he gets injured, and it seems like he always has the nagging something or other that, that slows him down. You're watching the game on Sunday, and he comes in and out. There's no predictability there, so I'm not drafting him. But I have seen him go up into the first round, and I think he will be a first-round pick this year um, just based on a previous uh, – previous numbers maybe in 2012 and 2011 where he was a feature back and, and had a lot of a lot of fantasy points but I just I hate the guy so I'm, I'm not taking it you know, as, much as, as I think that that may be a ruse since Ubank is in a league with us it could be looking to drop some poison pills here a little two lies and a truth action I do think that if you if you manage to get Arian Foster early second round that's fine but he's not going to be there someone's going to going to take him too early. Um, there's a lot of risk in the running back field this year. There's only five or so guys you can really consider to be a sure thing, and he has been a sure thing in the past. He also didn't get too much mileage in college at Tennessee. He um, didn't start much there. Who's who's behind him right now? Is this a handcuff situation now that Tatar Tar is gone? I don't know who's behind him on that depth chart. Uh, you Bengals, I'm not sure if you know. No, I'm not aware. And don't care. Uh, Maybe they just forgot to do it. <laughs> Maybe they did. KJ Watt. Uh, another question here from the U Bengals. Pierre Garçon, uh, he has uh, Deshaun Jackson coming into that receiving core. 
He has RG3 coming back from a, a tough season. Where does he sit for you? Is he a wide receiver one? Is he a wide receiver two? On a team with decent running backs, I think you can play him at wide receiver one. Here's why. I compare the situation with him and Deshaun Jackson what the Falcons have when Julio Jones and Roddy White are healthy. You saw last year when Roddy finally got healthy at the end of the year, there was so much defensive attention on him that he couldn't do anything. Having Deshaun Jackson there to stretch the field is going to allow Pierre Garçon to play in the slot a little bit, get open, put up better numbers. I think that if, if he's one of your top two players, that's a problem. But if you can fill either two running backs, running back tight end, or running back quarterback beforehand, he's your wide receiver one. Andrew? Yeah, I think uh, Pierre Garçon's definitely going to slip down to the third or fourth round, so you can, you can get some good, good value before him. But I definitely think if you are doing a, a quarterback uh, or running back heavy um, first couple rounds, he's not a bad WR uh, wide receiver one option at that point. Um, I've seen him go above Deshaun Jackson, which I think is, is a, a good move um, based on Deshaun being new to the offense and, and not having the rapport that Pierre Garçon has with RG3. If you watched some of the games last year, the chemistry between those two guys is – out of this world. Um, it seemed like whenever uh, RG3 needed a first down, he'd throw a slant to Pierre Garçon, he'd break a tackle, and the yak on that guy is out of control. So I think uh, he's a great wide receiver one. I'm up on him. Okay. The uh, From the Redskins to the Pats, a question here for you. Is there any Pat worth owning? Running back? This originally question was, are there any Patriots running backs worth owning? But I've expanded it out. Is there a Patriot running back, wide receiver, or quarterback, or tight end for that matter, worth owning? Gronk. Gronk. In- sure, sure. Injured Gronk. I, I think there are three worth owning. Go on, Adam. Tom Brady, in two or three of the last four years, has been a top three quarterback. He wasn't last year, but he's got he's got guys, a lot of guys who are new to the system coming in 2013. They've kept most of them around. I think Brandon LaFell is the only new add to that wide receiver court, not that he's adding anything. Uh, Gronk, obviously, healthy season. Even if your team is bad, you're going to have fun with Gronk on your roster. That's People true. People are going to want to trade for Gronk because they want to have fun with their roster. That's true. I agree. Uh, lastly, uh, oh, go ahead. Shane Vereen. Shane Vereen is a, a, a sneaky flex play. At the end of last year when he was finally healthy, he made his way onto some rosters some of which won championships and caught a lot of passes on the backfield because they couldn't run between the tackles. Stephen Ridley and Garrett Blunt were tripping over themselves and others that weigh 300 pounds. He was getting the reps there. Andrew? I don't know. New New, uh, New England seems like I never liked their running backs, even back, um, even back when they had Ben Jarvis and when they had, uh, what was that guy with the dreads Corey name? Gillen? Lawrence Baroni back in the day. Corey Dillon. Corey Dillon. They're all uh, touchdown vultures, but their their game plan isn't a, you know, uh, let's get a hundred yard rusher out here. It's let's Tom, let's let Tom Brady uh, flip it around, um, take a shot deep. So I agree, Tom Brady's a, a ownable guy. Um, Gronk definitely. But if you're gonna uh, wait until the later rounds, I think there's a lot of value in their in their wide receivers. If you got. Um, Aaron Dobson and, and uh, Kimbrell Tompkins, those are good sleeper picks that you can you can uh, hope to break out this year because I feel like those guys are primed. Interesting. Just to pause for a second, and we'll take this out later, Eubank, how much time do you have left? I got about one minute. You got one minute? <laughs> yeah, one more one question. Burning question. One more burning question? Okay. We haven't on much. What's that? I know. Let's get some uh, controversial questions out here. It's like the difference between first and third. There's a gap there, but it's not as big as you think sometimes. <laughs> uh, okay, here's a, here's a question for you, and uh, and you Bengals will lose you after this one, but this is one which I, I really did want to get your take on uh, before, we, before we finish up here with you. How many bad trades will the Dingo accept this season? Well... As you may have seen in the email, the uh, trade policy has changed this year. So uh, knowing that, I think it's going to be upwards of four or five uh, because the um, more level-headed players in the league can't vote you down anymore. 
So uh, what's going to have to happen is I think I'm going to have to adjust some rosters, maybe because as the as they say, Kamish has the final say. So well, bad for bad for who? Okay, every every person that makes the trade feel like it's good for their team or they shouldn't make the trade. Well, there's trades that are bad for the league, uh, i.e., Lashawn McCoy for Darren McFadden, which was that was not the deal. Great gore. Uh, there was a starting wide receiver in there. Frank Gore, Darren McFadden, and Eric Decker. Yes. That's not, a good, that's not a good trade. No. He had multiple he had needs at yeah. multiple positions. In now, hindsight, I, say this, I won the trade. In hindsight, it's definitely player, not a good my trade. My theory is that you should always come away with the best player in any trade you make. Maybe you did not operate by that philosophy, you Bengals, and that's why you ended up not holding a golden trophy at the end of the year. <laughs> I don't know. Write this down, though. No. Always get the best player in every trade. All of our listeners out there, that's how you win a trade. Well, I've got a trade embargo with you this year, Adam. Uh, you Bengals, just before you go, one final question for you. Uh, and this question is brought to us by our sponsor today, Wiggins Funeral Homes. Uh, the question is, fuck, marry, kill, John Madden, Terrell Suggs, or Rex Ryan, pre-gastric bypass? Andrew. Oh, uh... I'm going to marry John Madden. He's got some humorous insights to the way the world works. And cash. Insights? <laughs> insights. <laughs> and, uh, and he's got some cash, and he, we can play some video games together. And then uh, I'm going to go ahead and kill Terrell Suggs, and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go with the foot fetish for the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you Bengals, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. And... Uh, and we'll catch up with you as the preseason continues. Catch in next week. Everyone, check out the U Bengals uh, column tomorrow, uh, going live on fantasydingo.com, 2013 major draft busts. But uh, U Bengals, thanks so much for your time. Uh, thank you. I think you lost Adam again. Oh, he's back. All right. I'll see you all next week. Cheers. <laughs> he's muted. He's muted. <laughs> quickly, quickly. I'm going to break down what you just said. I got kicked job for a second. Google Chrome's not helping me out today. Um, hey, you'll have to listen to the podcast. Call on who to marry because he's going to die off the soonest. However, you got to kill. You can't kill Terrell Suggs because you kill Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis will kill you. That's true. You got to You got to kill. Thanks, you Bengals. Bye. Cheers. You're listening to Fantasy Dingo. So one of the things we're going to be doing on the Dingo uh, coming up on FantasyDingo.com is counting down the diff- every NFL team. We're going to do a power ranking 30 through 1 of their fantasy football value, ranking their quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, and defenses. I think we're going to leave out the kickers, right, Adam? We're going to leave out the kickers. Defense will have an effect on the ranking, but only a minor effect because it's a minor fish, uh, position in fantasy. So. We're not going to tell you what the best team in the NFL is, who's going to win the Super Bowl. We're going to tell you that if you're looking to draft a lot of players from one team, maybe it's just you can't, you don't have red zone, you don't have direct TV, you're sober, you're not going to bars to watch games. So you want to find one team that you could support while also fueling and funneling their players into your fantasy team, you're going to want to go with who's number one on our list. That's right. So, so it'll be a team that's fun to watch. It'll come in number one. Sure to score a lot of points. So in in line with that, we're going to start looking at some of these teams a little bit and, and breaking them down each week. This week we're going to look at the uh, the two South divisions, the AFC South and the NFC South, and sort of put them up against each other and see who's who's most likely to score some fantasy points in those leagues. In the AFC South, we've got the Indianapolis Colts, the Texans, the Tennessee Titans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Adam, let's start with the Jags because I know they're a team that's very close to your heart. Uh, and and maybe a little less close to your heart now that Blaine's left, but but still quite close to your heart. You've got some Jag swag over there, I know. Oh, I, I do. Answer me this. Is there anyone on the Jags who is worth owning in fantasy leagues this year? This is... this is. Has there ever been an entire team that's gone undrafted? I don't know. I don't think it's happened. I don't know. Maybe... This could be, this could be the team. I mean... You might say something, oh, maybe the Raiders. The Raiders are really bad. Maurice Jones-Drew is going to end up on a roster. Yeah. There's, some, there's, there's some upside there. Um, Toby Gerhardt. 
He will end up on a roster. Someone will be desperate to take him. But you're really stretching it if you believe in him. I do think this. Eubank says he won't take a rookie before round 13. However, I think he will take rookies in rounds 14, 15, and 16, that big upside. And Marquise Lee, to me, who if you're on FantasyDingo.com, you might see something about studs tomorrow that can help today. I believe Marquise Lee is in that uh, analysis, is he? He was, yeah. I liked him at USC. I liked him particularly on uh, NCAA uh, 13, the Xbox game. He has unbelievable speed. But uh, but I, he, he was great on the Trojans. And but then had the injury last year, which makes him a bit of a wild card. I think if he didn't have that injury last year, he would have gone a lot higher in the draft. And on a Jags receiving core where there isn't a lot to write home about outside of him, uh, he could he could get a lot of uh, a lot of looks. Cecil Shorts was a player I had on my team two years ago. Thankfully, not last year. He had a few injury problems. Uh, but with the absence of Justin Blackman, yeah, there, there's. There, there are people who, who have to get receptions there. But uh, the problem is the guy throwing them the ball. And Chad Henney, while maybe maybe more reliable than Blaine, I, I still don't see him as a, as a guy who you can, you can faithfully put your, your, your safety in, into his receiver's hands. I, I agree. And I don't think you're going to get anyone off this team that should be starting on your roster on day one or week one or week two or week five or week 12. Definitely not the playoffs. But Marquise Lee is a stash to me. The main reason being, yes, the quarterbacks are bad, but their team is worse as a whole. And they're going to be losing often and early. They're not going to be running the ball. So someone's going to have to catch passes. Let me tell you one thing that you can do with the Jags, and that is stream defenses against them. And by that we mean, of course, picking up the team that's playing the Jags that week, play their defense, and rely on that team getting a couple of picks, maybe a pick six. Now, this is something which we did last year, Adam, to great success. Uh, the Jags is one team that you can you can rely on will give the opposition defense points each week. I think we may need to post a separate entire article on FantasyDingo.com about the importance of streaming defenses. If there's one thing that we can hammer home enough, all our analysts on staff, the Dingo, myself, Andrew Eubangles, Eubank, whomever, Stream defenses against bad offenses. Absolutely, and don't don't go into never draft a de- defense too early or at all. The uh, second team in this uh, AFC South I'd like to take a look at uh, is a team close to your home, but not your home. It's the Houston Texans. We mentioned Arian Foster a little bit earlier on, uh, and the the iffy nature of of whether he is a a lock first rounder. Is he a a good pickup in the early second round? But outside of him, you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, their quarterback. Can't see him ending up on many rosters, perhaps as a QB too, but but not really. Uh, Andre Johnson, how are you feeling about him this year? We touched on this a little bit last week. Um, he's not happy there. He's not happy there at all. The only way he will get happier, though, because he's not going anywhere, is if Fitzpatrick comes into camp with a serious attitude, shows him he knows what he's doing. Uh, they took Tom Savage out of Pittsburgh. As a rookie this year, he won't play. He's not ready. He's a transfer from Rutgers. He's a college journeyman. He's bound to be an NFL journeyman. But I I think the thing that's going to help Andre Johnson the most is Owen Daniels proved to be a little bit more reliable last year. He's taken baby steps. And DeAndre Hopkins has the ability to stretch the field on the other side, potentially shift the coverage to a more even landscape in in the safeties and quarterbacks to get him, I'm not going to say one-on-ones, but he's had three-on-ones in the past. Maybe it's only two defenders. Well, I've got some bad news for you just on the early news, on the early point there. Owen Daniels has, uh, he's moved on to the Ravens. No! And, yes. It's he's Garrett. Dennis yeah, he's backing up Dennis Pitter. It's Garrett Graham there now, who started towards the end of last year and, and showed a few signs of, promising. of, of being promising. Uh, I certainly wouldn't grab him as your, as your number one tight end, but but could blossom into something there. He's my sort of sleeper on this Texans team, uh, and I also like Hopkins. But if I if I woke up the morning after draft day with a cracking hangover, the, one of the things that would make me very happy would be knowing that there are no Texans on my team, uh, except maybe except maybe for the defense. Who is their, who is their backup running back? I'm pulling this up now. Dennis Johnson. 
Dennis Johnson. Second backup I, running back, I, I, Jonathan I, Grimes. I'm also not familiar with their, their running back three, Jonathan Grimes. Dennis Johnson out of Arkansas, two years. He must have backed up um, he must have backed up Niall Davis in Arkansas there. Well college backup, NFL backup, not even a fantasy backup. Not even. So I I worry about uh, I worry about the Texans. Uh, I would I would advocate not drafting too many. Perhaps the defense. Hey, if you could get the Texans defense playing against the Jags, you have a good chance of winning. Yeah. Week. So, uh, but outside of that, not loving them. The uh, the third team in the AFC South we'd like to take a look at is uh, is a team which has drafted fairly well and sort of changed up their setup a little bit coming into this season. The Tennessee Titans, a uh, couple of UW greats there, with Jake Locker still a quarterback, still holding onto that quarterback position. He looked good last year. I thought I was thinking of picking him up before that injury, that leg injury, but he does look injury prone, and he is under a lot of pressure to perform this year. Certainly wouldn't be a QB one, maybe at a stretch a QB two. Uh, but Bishop Sankey coming out of the backfield, we spoke about a little bit last week. And he is someone who I see moving up a little bit on the average draft positions on Yahoo. Yeah, I think uh, I think Bishop. We've talked about him a lot lately. He's got a lot of promise. The quarterback situation. This is a make or break year for Charlie Whitehurst, and there's not much behind him. Or sorry, Jake Locker. Charlie Whitehurst is behind him, so there's not much behind him. Uh, behind that, you got two guys vying for the three spot: Tyler Wilson out of Arkansas, second-year guy. And Zach Mettenberger, a rookie from LSU, but he's coming off a knee injury. So there's there's a lot of risk with anybody on this team that is not Bishop Sankey in my mind because, quite frankly, you don't know who's going to be throwing them the ball. Um, They do do have Dexter McCluster is there now. He's going to be returning kicks for them, going to be their slot guy. Um, Put up some decent numbers for the Chiefs last year. Could be an interesting play on a bye week if you're in a bind. And uh, Kendall Hunter, the speedster out of Baylor, could be good, but again, who's throwing the ball? Here's a name for you, Kendall Wright. Uh, I think you're talking about there. Kendall Wright, the wide receiver from Baylor, yeah. who has been going high in the mocks. Do you trust someone who doesn't have the most reliable reliable arm throwing the ball? He was uh, the kind of guy who would act as a, as a, a fill-in wide receiver to maybe a wide receiver three last towards the end of last year. Um, the other person uh, on that on that lineup is Nate Washington, uh, but he's sort of getting on a little bit. And, uh, and, and no one else there I really see on the Titans' offense that we might be, uh, you might be interested in, except for... I've got a sleeper for you. Go on. Justin Hunter, second-year guy out of the University of Tennessee... He's playing at home. There are a lot of pressures that come with playing for, playing from home. He uh, took last year to fit in, came on big at the end of the year. Uh, he averaged uh, 25 yards per catch last year. Wow. Uh, oh, sorry, that was in Tennessee. But uh, big numbers last year. And uh, I think that he could theoretically be a sleeper to pick up the last third of the year. As wide receivers go down, things shift. He's the biggest target that they have and is a red zone threat. You know, the other guy that they that, that got a bit of press uh, is Delaney Walker, the tight end. And I didn't like him last year. I didn't like the look of him. But uh, he is sort of in that – because tight end is such a, a narrow position and it just has absolutely no depth. It's the kind of guy you might end up with if you haven't drafted a tight end by perhaps the ninth or tenth round. I, I know two things about Delaney Walker. Two things for for a fact. One, he took shots with my sister at a bar earlier this summer. Oh, that's exciting. Two, he hosted a house party with Alden Smith in the Bay Area where they shot assault rifles off their balcony to tell everybody to go home. That's right. I knew I remembered him from somewhere. Those are both off-the-field incidents. But sorry, Jesse, for outing you on the podcast. Um, but <laughs> they are facts. Yeah. I don't know what he does for you on the field. That's all I'm saying. Well, if we, were, if we were saying that, we'd be ranking uh, ranking our friend Johnny Football a little bit lower. But we're not. We don't care what people do off the field. As long as you treat each other with respect. And that's what Johnny does all the time. That's what Tim does. That's what Tim does. Oh, we got it. He's, there's word that he'll be on the pod at some stage in September. 
So Urban Meyer says he believes he'll be on the pot. Keep checking back to see to see if that happens. The next team I'd like to take a look at uh, is the Indianapolis Colts, the final team making up this uh, wide receiver. AFC Whoa. South Division. Uh, loaded. So loaded at wide receiver. Let's just go through them right now. you got Reggie Wayne, T.Y. Hilton, Hakeem Nix, Dante Moncrief, and and not to mention who else are the Rick Rogers. Rick Rogers, load no, it up. No, no, D A apostrophe Rick. Oh, Derrick. Sorry, Derrick no, Rogers. Derrick. Derrick Rogers. Obviously, Reggie Wayne is the is the biggest name here of someone who has produced in the past in the fantasy setting, but. Who is the number one receiver for fantasy on this roster, do you think? This is tough because um, they've said openly that T.Y. Hilton has put up good numbers in the two years that he's been there. They've said that he's been forced into that number one role because of injuries to other places, Reggie getting hurt last year, for instance. They see him as a slot guy, not a number one guy. Reggie Wayne should be number one, but his age and injury history are catching up with him. Which brings us to Hakeem Nix. I mean, Hakeem Nix looked a couple of years ago like he could be a number one. Could could it could it take a consistent quarterback like Andrew Luck, not someone like Eli Manning, to help him reach his potential? Well, maybe. I had Hakeem Nix. I drafted him last year uh, when he was still at the Giants. Had a huge expectation that he would really break out that year. Now, he had Eli throwing in the ball, which last year was not a good thing. I also had Eli at the beginning of the season. So there's two for two duds. But uh, So I, I personally don't have trust in the guy. Um, I think he's a little overweight for a receiver. He doesn't have much speed. Uh, maybe that's because he was lying out next to Victor Cruz, and Victor Cruz obviously has speed to burn. I, the guy out of, this, out of this receiving core that I'd be taking is T.Y. Hilton. And, uh, and here's why. He's got a great set of hands. He's quick. He, as you said, he's versatile. He can. He's learned to play that wide receiver one spot. Can also line up in the slot, and uh, and he seems to have an existing relationship with Luck. I worry that that if Nix and Luck don't don't mesh, that Luck's going to be looking for for other guys, especially in the end zone. He's got nineteen hundred yards, nineteen forty four specifically combined in the last two years. Only five touchdowns last year. Those were down, and uh, they came in actually two games. He had three against Houston. And two against two against Seattle. So I mean, good secondaries. His inconsistency, I don't know, is something to watch. So he had he had a thousand yards last year over the course of sixteen games. Didn't miss any time, but the overall majority of those came in his five hundred yard games. Mm. He had five games of hundred yards. He also had games of seven yards, twenty seven yards, thirteen yards, and twenty yards. So will the consistency be there? And the reason I bring that up is you're adding Dante Moncrief out of Ole Miss, uh, one of the top wide receivers in the SEC last year. Derrick Rogers is a guy that didn't do much at the beginning of the year. He's a bit of a head case. Um, was actually kicked out of the University of Tennessee while he was there, transferred to Tennessee Tech. And uh, in December, he steps in against the Bengals in a road game. First start of his career, has over 100 yards and two touchdowns. So I wonder if there's enough balls to go around. I, I, I'm curious about that too. They, they're certainly going to throw the ball though because you've got Luck at quarterback and your starting running back right now is Trent Richardson. Let's talk about the running backs situation first and then we'll come to Andrew Luck. Uh, Richardson, Ahmad Bradshaw, uh, Donald Brown I believe has moved on. Any Is there any value, certainly not in Bradshaw in the draft, but any value in picking up Trent Richardson? What would it take? What round would it take for you to put Trent on your roster? Wow. Um, or is he a do-not-draft? You know, the thing about Trent is no one will give up on him. Um, Indianapolis gave him a first-round pick for that guy. That first-round pick turned into Johnny Manziel. Because he looked so good. Trent looked so good in college. And he, and, and he was a dud in Cleveland. And Cleveland has a defensive offensive line. That's not their problem. He comes to, um, comes to Indianapolis. The owner... Tweets out, you know, sort of secretly an hour before the trade's announced that he just made a big, big blockbuster trade for the best fans in the world. They're not the best fans in the world. Uh, <laughs> I think the Seahawks fans might have something to say about that. Talk but 
No, no one's giving up on him. I don't think anyone's going to give up on fantasy either. I have a fifth to sixth round grade on Trevor Richardson. I think that if he is your third running back, you're going to get – you may not even get RB3 value out of him. Yeah. But the chance to get RB2 value makes him worth that pick. But you cannot draft him to be anything other than your RB3. Someone may make that mistake. You might have someone like uh, – We'll just call him Frank, who doesn't have the background knowledge. It sees Trinners and recognizes the name, recognizes the name of the Heisman finalist who was drafted in the top five three years ago and reaches for Trent Richardson, but you do not want to be that guy. Yeah, I don't like him. I, I would hate for him to be my RB3. Remember him at the end of last year? Awful. Awful. Oh, what did he get? One touchdown oh. in Indianapolis? Then he get one touchdown. One. He had one. He busted one in from three yards out. But wow. uh, just terrible. So I, I don't rate him at all. Andrew Luck, however, is someone who who I think you could definitely put in the second tier of, of fantasy quarterbacks, uh, maybe at the top of that second tier even. You know that he's going to get drafted in uh, in some of our leagues very highly. He's the kind of guy that has these people who, who just love him and, uh, and will take him too high. So he's the, the kind of guy I feel that won't drop down to you in like round five or round six. He's the kind of guy that might go in round four, someone's going to reach for him because they think that he's really going to elevate them. Uh, he's not necessarily, and uh, the, the one thing he does have, which is kind of sneaky, is his running capability and his ability to, to, score, uh, to score on his feet. But I'm not sure if you put him up against someone like an RG3, uh, even someone like a Nick Foles, if he would be that far, that far in front or even behind those guys. Yeah, um, you know, he did He did have five rushing touchdowns last year. You're right about that. Uh, for the year before, so there's some consistency. What I worry about is, um, well, he's he's got 23 touchdowns apiece in the last two years. He has managed to cut his interceptions in half by 18-9, but Luck still fumbled the ball five times last year. Yeah. Um, he gets a little nervous back there. I'd like to see a little bit more poise out of him in the pocket, and I think if he can accomplish that with these receivers, he could be at the top of the second tier of quarterbacks. Yeah, I like the look of him a lot this year, but again, I really think that it's the kind of he's the kind of guy that someone's going to reach up for, and and don't be that person to do that. The second uh, division we'd like to look at, so we looked at the AFC South. Let's take a look at the NFC South now, Adam. Uh, four great teams here with a lot of questions and potential about them. Uh, you got the New Orleans Saints, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Carolina Panthers, super interesting team this year, and the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, let's start with the Saints. A lot of great players here, uh, some of them with obvious fantasy value, uh, players like Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham. Uh, we talked a little bit last week about Brandon Cooks, but is there anyone, is there anything unexpected here, or can we see a regression from Brees, a regression from Graham? Are we going to be surprised by anything at the Saints this year? I, th- I Breeze, he's starting to remind me of, I brought him up last week, he's the ultimate basketball football comp, old man Riverwalk, Tim Duncan. He, last four years, has been in the top three of quarterbacks, fantasy-wise, every year. And I don't think he's going to fall off, whereas, you know, the, the, thing, the thing that plays in Breeze's favor is that they're just looking to throw the ball, no matter what. They're going to sling it around. He doesn't have to worry about anybody taking taking carries, running the ball, because they haven't improved the backfield. No. Pierre Thomas and Mark Ingram are still their only two options back there. You're not drafting either of those guys. They had Kenny Stills step up big time last year. He's now starting over Robert Meacham in that slot opposite Marquise Colston. They drafted uh, Brandon Cooks, and they have a second-year guy to Wisconsin named Nick Toon that might be able to make some noise, too. You never know with the Saints wide receivers if it's good to draft them or not. But I think that based on the mock drafts I've been doing, even Marquise Colston, who typically is the first one to go, they're all falling into a space where they could be flex material. Yeah. And someone is going to catch touchdowns every week on that team. That's what uh, I feel about Colston. Yeah. Colston's been going typically in, in, in the mocks I've been doing, 12-team mocks, he's been going between sort of, 68 and 82, somewhere in that range. So sort of like your 6th, 7th, 8th round. 46, 46. Yeah, yeah. sorry, 46. So 
you know, he's he's been going in a in a space where where he could play a wide receiver three role, um, or or a wide receiver two. You know, it's like the kind of guy who who could be. He's going to get a lot of touchdowns, but he's not necessarily going to be the most consistent player each week. Um, no interest in the Saints running back. Nothing. There. Nothing. With those guys. Um, Pierre Thomas. Pierre, could this be Pierre his Thomas year? Been there for a long time now. Could this be his yeah. year? I, I think his year has passed. Pierre Thomas is twenty nine. He's a oh, year yeah. older than Beast Mode, even. Yikes. The other thing about Pierre Thomas. Pierre Thomas in two thousand eight had nine touchdowns and got this this great rep. Um. Pierre Thomas hasn't rushed for more than more than 562 yards in a season since 2009. That's their starting running back. Yeah. Right. Um, we haven't even talked about Mark Ingram, who won a Heisman Trophy and was a first-round draft pick. Mark Ingram had 386 yards rushing last year. He has 356 total yards in his career. In his career, That's over the course. Good. That's not great stats. It's, it's, it's bad. It's yeah. oh, sorry. Those are attempts. Fourteen hundred yards for his career, but oh, that's that's bad. And one touchdown last year. So you're not touching any of those guys. Um, Colston, you know, interesting you bring up Colston. So Colston did not have a thousand yards last year. He finished just shy at nine hundred forty-three. That is only the second time in his eight-year career that he finished below a thousand, and. Um, he did miss one game. His TDs were down to five. But, again, with Breeze throwing 4,500 yards a year, he's his wide receiver one there is bound to get 1,000 yards. He's bound to get 30% of those yards. He reminds me a little bit of a better Anquan Bolden. You know, Anquan Bolden, you know, is a class player, and he's going to make some catches. He's going to get his hands on the ball. It's not going to happen every week that he's going to go off. But... If you're going to focus on other other key positions in your first four or five rounds of the draft, he's not the worst guy to pick up as a as a wide receiver with plenty of upside. No, I've had um, I'm a Colston believer. I've had him in my roster many years, and um, you know you scream your television a lot when Drew Brees throws to all those other guys, but Colston's the guy that he's throwing you the most, and that's not going to change this year. Um, Jimmy Graham, we haven't said much about him. Everyone knows he's going in the first round. I think he may have hit his apex because, again, defenses were figuring him out at the end of last year. What do you think about that? I, uh, I've i never rated him as the number one tight end in this league. Yeah. I've always had Rob Gronkowski, when fit, as the number one tight end in this league. If you want to go ahead and take Jimmy Graham, go ahead and take Jimmy Graham in the first round. You won't see me doing it. Rob Gronkowski is is as good but has a better, an even better relationship with Tom Brady and is – an even better end zone and red zone target. So I, I, I don't buy into Graham. I see Graham going in a lot of these marks around seven, eight, nine. I think that's too high. If you could pick him up 12, 13, 14, maybe worthwhile. But again, if, you, if you're asking me about which one I'd rate higher, and I'd take a fit Gronk any day of the week. Yeah, so, so Jimmy Graham... When I talk about how defense has figured him out, right? His stats for last year, he had 1,200 yards over the course of six, 15 games, missed one game, 16 touchdowns, right? 10 of those 16 touchdowns happened in the first half of the year. He also had 600-yard games. Five of those 100-yard games happened in the first half of the year, including four in the first five, right? Slows down considerably at the end of the season, in fact, only had 12 catches over his last three games. Then we get to the playoffs. He had 52 yards combined in his first two, in the only two playoff games he played. Zero touchdowns. His stats against the Seahawks: one catch for eight yards. So is he is he slowing down as the season goes on in general, or is this a more endemic decline for Graham? Is this signaling that he's not going to be the elite uh, tight end that he was last year? You know, I think he's still in the upper echelon of tight ends, but this pattern of 10 games, second half of the season, plus really more since he missed a game in the first half, and then those two playoff games, that's that's 10 games where he only broke through once. I think that teams are learning the scheme towards him, and it puts a lot of pressure on Brandon Cooks because 
you have all these good receivers in New Orleans. Drew Brees is going to throw the ball. They're going to put up numbers. But is any one of them that great to pull away a second defender that isn't put on Jimmy Graham? It's a good point. So we've got some some questions to ask yourself before you dra- draft any Saints. Let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons because they're a kind of interesting team this year, especially taking into account what happened last year. Uh, Matty Ice was someone who I think we were all ranking pretty high at the beginning of last year. Didn't perform. Uh, Tony I Gon- traded for the guy. I traded for the guy. It did not work out. Didn't work out for you. Tony Gonzalez was someone who was people were saying is still was still a stud at the beginning of the season. Um, uh, don't know how we feel about him this year. And Stephen He's Jackson. Retired. He's retired. He's gone. He's retired. Uh, Chase Coffin, the backup tight end, is gone. Tight end is a mystery. In Atlanta, this is actually a guy that I think is worth grabbing late in your draft. Levine Toilolo uh, is the number one tight end in that draft. Levine? In the Falcons roster right now. He's their starter. They're rolling with him. Is he got a, a Pacific, Islander, Pacific Islander heritage there? I think so. He's going to be doing a lot of blocking, but I like him in the way that the Lions use Joseph Foria. Oh, yeah. He's a blocker that rolls out into the red zone. I love that. I love that role. Uh, Joseph Foria was always almost worth a pickup last year. Always, almost. Uh, so you got Matty Ryan, Matty Ice, Levine, Toiloli, Lolio, Stephen Jackson, and Jaquiz Rogers in a backfield that I think you don't want to touch. I think I think it's it's too many too many hands in the cookie jar, too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be it's a three way. <laughs> a disgusting three-way with Stephen Jackson, Jaquiz Rogers, and Jason Snelling even hey, going in I, for the odd sniff. Did you know they picked up Devin Hester? I did not see that, no. Devin Hester now in the wide receiver uh, rotation, three spot, and returning kicks. Wow. And uh, and how do you feel about Roddy White and, uh, and Harry Douglas? So we lost Adam there. We've got him back now on the landline. Adam, we were just talking about Roddy White and Harry Douglas, a uh, couple of big wide receivers that you might be considering taking from the Falcons. Uh, Douglas had a good – he had a good last back of, back of last year. Douglas was good that last year, but he was good with Julio Jones out for the year and Roddy White being banged up, getting all the attention. Um, like you mentioned, we've had technical difficulties with, uh, with my connection through – the, uh, the old computer there. I I trust Julio Jones and Roddy White more than I trust technology. But right now, I still trust technology more than I trust Harry Douglas. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. That makes perfectly no sense. Let's uh, let's move on to the Panthers. Panthers are a team that that uh, kind of sort of unexpected this year, and 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 it, well, a team that we can't really know what we're gonna we're gonna get. Uh, Scam Newton is probably going to have a good year, and we know that. And he really progressed last year, and I would feel fairly confident taking him uh, around the fifth or sixth round this year. But outside of that, he's lost all his receivers. He lost Steve Smith, um, and they haven't made any progressions in the running back game. Is there any, anyone outside of Scam that you like the look of in uh, in this Panthers team this year? The Panthers are interesting. Their running back situation from a fantasy perspective is worse than Atlanta. You've got Jonathan Stewart and Angelo Williams, both aging, still your top two running backs. Kenyon Barner, second-year guy out of Oregon. He's going to get the mix a little bit more, I think, possibly in the return game, but also in the running game. That's sort of a three-headed monster type situation that you've got in Atlanta, because you've got two old guys and one young guy versus the opposite. However, Cam's going to run the ball, too. So if you're going to pick up anybody on this roster, it's going to be Cam. I do think that Kelp Benjamin will end up on fantasy rosters. I'm not a fan. I, I like a lot of rookies this year. He's a big target. He's going to give Sam an end zone weapon, but he's a prolific underachiever. Wasn't even the best receiver on his college team last year. Granted, they won the national championship. But uh, I, no, I, I think that the Panthers, we put out our rankings next week, will be shockingly below as a fantasy value. Yeah, the one guy I like to look of, and it's because that receiving core is so bad, is is Greg Olson, and uh, and and it's it's literally because Cam Newton can't run all of these touchdowns in himself, uh, and and he's going to be looking for that uh, that solution in the in the end zone, which results in him not taking a big hit. 
So I think Olsen could be good for seven or eight points a game. Yeah, I forgot that Olsen was there, and I think that Olsen is a really, really good bet at tight end, particularly if you don't get – Jimmy Graham's going to go early. We know that. You don't get Gronk. You don't get Vernon Davis. You don't get um, the former basketball player that's down there in Denver whose name is escaping me, Julius Thomas. Yeah. Um, I think that Olsen, Olsen with Darius Green, those guys are really creeping in that second tier, and I think that, you know, with Darius Green, he's got Gates still there. There's a little bit of a risk, but Olsen has no competition. Um, that's, that's a wise, Kwame Lake observation to him. Well, so the the final team I'd like to to, to draw our, our our strong eye on is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I think I'm super excited to see what this team does this year. I think they could be spectacularly awful uh, on one level uh, and and dysfunctional. They could be spectacularly exciting as well. That you just you just don't know. Um, they've got some some additions through the draft. They've got Mike Evans. Uh, they've made some additions through trades. They've taken Josh McCowan. Uh, they've got a young tight end in Austin Safarian Jenkins out of the University of Washington, who, who I love, but but wonder about his his performance off the field. And then they've got the running back coming back in uh, in Doug Martin. What do you make of this of this Bucks uh, depth depth chart? And can you make a is is it worth taking a punt on any of these guys to be consistent? fantasy performance for you each week? If, um, if the NFL was so good about making you take the entire season Sunday ticket pass, this is a league pass situation, this would be my fifth NBA league pass team if that rule applies to the NFL. Absolutely. If they, Tampa Bay, I think, is going to win and lose a lot of games in the 42 to 35 range, which means that you want everything but their defense. Um, have they named an opening day starter at quarterback yet? Yeah, I think Josh McCown has been has been well, maybe not officially, but unofficially, he will be starting over Mike Glennon. Because people started worse quarterbacks than Glennon last year, but Josh McCown, Josh McCown made his way onto my roster through the waiver wire. Started a couple weeks for me. Had those twin towers in Chicago and Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans are a infant version of Alshon Jeffrey and, and Brandon Marshall. And he's going to be able to just whale the ball up to either of those guys. But what makes this team interesting to me is, is the various Jenkins because he's, he's a big boy. He's like six seven, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of height. You've got two receivers that are in the six five range, six seven tight end. They they can just be running the hill Mary all day. And if they if they throw deep with these guys over and over again, I'm not a big Doug Martin fan. But he is falling in drafts this year because of last year's disaster. He's going to be there, and maybe you handcuff him with uh, his backup. Still Rainey? Yeah, still Bobby Rainey. Official handcuff group there. Here's a name I'd like to throw you away. Uh, someone who I think is close to your heart. Charles Sims. He's uh, the fourth running back on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers depth chart right From now. From West Virginia? From West Virginia. Sims? Sims. Oh, your boy. I, I, am, I am all in on the I'm going to get a Buccaneers jersey tonight. I am all in on the Bucks. Yeah, I think they're going to be a super fun team. I'll tell you one thing that worries me about Safari and Jenkins. I'm a huge Safari and Jenkins fan. Brandon Myers they've, they've traded for as well from the Giants. And I just worry that he might eat into those reps and uh, and take it away. But there's no reason why he should because he's, he's goddamn awful, Brandon Myers. So... Uh, and Tim Wright as well was a was a tight end that they used a, a little bit of last last year, sort of a tight end wide receiver uh, mixture. So it does worry me a little bit. Does worry me taking Brooks, but again, could be worth a flyer after the thirteenth round. This is a team that you definitely watch. You uh, you draft these guys. Well, outside of Benson Jackson, you draft these guys with caution, but. I think that a lot of Tampa Bay players are going to be hot ticket items on the waiver wire, maybe as soon as week three. I think I think these guys are going to start moving quick. Well, that's the two uh, that's the two divisions we're going to look at this week. Next week we'll take a look at the NFC East and the AFC East. But as always, Adam, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, thanks for coming on to the Dingo. No, I apologize for the technical difficulties. We'll get that all all sorted out. I hope it's not a 
sign that there's another major power outage coming to New York City. But um, you know that's why the thing goes coast to coast. You can't get shut down, whether it's the the Delta, the Pacific Northwest, the East Coast. We've got you covered. From the from the west coast to the east coast to the to the polluted bay, the dingo has you covered. Thanks very much for joining this week, and uh, and we'll catch you next week. Let's go. Spider-Man.